Welcome to Live the Fuel, where we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney. All right, good day and good evening to anybody listening, depending on the time of day you're at. But I want to say good day because it is, uh, for my time, 2.30 in the afternoon here on the East Coast. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm bringing you somebody on the West Coast, so we're having fun. My last podcast, literally 20 minutes ago, was same state, which is very rare here in Pennsylvania, uh, here in Allentown, an hour north of Philadelphia. But hey, welcome back to another of the Fuel Show, ladies and gentlemen. Today, on this episode, we are streaming live, as we always do on Facebook. We're going to be digging into some money. And for anybody who's listened to the show for a while, you know that I sucked at it. And uh, I'm, I've been climbing my way out of my suckiness. And I can thank my wife and the influence from her family. So I'll give her a shout out to Dr. Kristen Fenstemacher, my lovely wife of barely over a year. Uh, but hey, let's talk about my guest co-host today. Because this is a, money's important. Business, lifestyle, relieving stress. Uh, even if you don't have your own business, succeeding in career. But I, I'm going to go back to stress <laughs> and creating some freedom. And maybe strike a little bit on the nerve there's your little key word, ladies and gentlemen, because I've got the author of The Money Nerve today. So he's a financial expert. He's a motivator. Uh, he does trainings based on this book. It's been out for about three, four years. I'll have him clarify that and a whole lot more. So without further ado, Bob Wheeler, sir, from L.A., welcome. Hey, Scott. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for uh, freeing up your Saturday. So. You know? Well, hey, we're in lockdown and pandemic and curfew, so uh, I had nothing else going on. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you guys got the curfew thing right now, too. I'm so sorry. We do. Happening. I mean, I, I'm an hour north of Philadelphia, and uh, these are just – these are wild times. These are wild times. Yeah. And, you know, let's let's pause on that. I do want to reflect because while, while we're recording – I mean, this might not air for a month or two, but, you know, obviously, quarantine for 2020. Uh, we have a lot of stuff happening with Black Lives Matter right now. Uh, in 2020, a lot of energy, a lot of positive versus negative ways to represent it. Um, yeah. I have a lot of colleagues, fellow podcasters, influencers um, who are big influencers in the Black Lives uh, Matter movement and amazing uh, men and women. And I've been watching and paying attention to their social media feeds. It's just it's just wild times. I've, I'm lucky that where I live here in Allentown, the, the next two cities over, they had very peaceful uh marches you know presentations speakings nothing violent has happened here so i, I will since this is streaming live on facebook thank you for all those who may watch this or see this thank you for choosing a more positive way uh to help alleviate some of this but let's tie all that energy back to you because you're coming on my show today and yeah. i actually because of these times it's more important than ever to talk about money awareness money knowledge money intelligence uh and for me I'm interested on the money nerve, your, your brand of the book, you know, navigating the emotions of money. I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'm going to set the stage for you. I sucked <laughs> at it. As I said, yeah. I, I was always centered around a scarcity mindset. And I think yeah. a lot of us do. Uh, mm -hmm. My wife grew up with no debt. I didn't, I always kind of played the debt game. Always did. I still have some left. I'm wiping it out, but she's never carried debt. But her, here's the thing. Her father's a former multi-CFO, you know, accountant, like, like you're an accountant, like you guys yep. get it. You know, this is why yeah. I pay an accountant. Like I just got my bill. I just, I mean, I'm, I'm paying a lot of money for an accountant that I never used to pay years ago, but now I have a foundation. I have my business. Now that my wife and I are married, we this is our first year switching into joint filing. Uh-oh. Right. It's like, 
holy crap, like there's a lot of stuff happening. It's just, you know, and I said, you know what? Hire the experts. And, yeah. and but to, to rewind back to the stress, the emotion, I always lived with scarcity. I was always, I didn't understand money. And I've had a lot of influencers on this show, like yourself, who bring a different way to educate on it. Why? I guess it's okay to let the emotions flow a little bit. Can you talk to yeah. them? Well, absolutely. I, th I think a lot of people, when they deal with money, think it's very black and white, mm -hmm. right? It's very simple. Two plus two is four. That's it. Uh, but what they don't, a lot of people don't understand is unconsciously we're making a lot of decisions emotionally. Oh, if I buy this, I'm going to feel better. I'm going to be able to impress my friends. I can show that I'm successful. And whether it's guilt, shame, pleasure, uh, whatever those things are, if we don't at least start to be aware that, oh, I get triggered when certain things happen, when we have to split the bill at a, gro at a restaurant with our friends and I didn't get the wine and I'm paying half of it. Oh, I've been uh, there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. Or you sneak yeah. off to the bathroom. So maybe they won't make you pay your share. Um, it's been a few years. Like, I, I think I did that once. <laughs> <laughs> right. That all comes into play. Yeah. Or when you're standing in the grocery store and you're counting the number of items, the person in front of you has like, right. I'm not paying attention, but wait, hmm. it says 10 items or less. And I'm, and I'm watching the person like break the rules oh, and interesting. right. So we're, at least I count everybody in the, in the line when it says Sometimes. 10 items or less. If you see somebody yeah. rolling with a full cart, I'm sorry. That's a little frustrating. Yeah. I'm judging them. I'm judging them. <laughs> right. And so the thing is, the more we can become aware that we're making these emotional um, reactions, you know, when we bounce a check or we see debt and we get that Ugh, in our, in our stomach or in our chest, there is or a gut. when we, for me, yeah, there, it's was, in there, the gut. there was always that gut. Ugh, right. But when you win the lottery, woo, it, we, we feel excitement. So right. it's starting to be aware of the impact that it has on our body, which has an impact on our health. And right now, I think a lot of people, at least I know a lot of my clients, they're entrepreneurs, they've got their own businesses, and they've been living check to check. Hmm. Right? Oh, I'm going to live off my next project. And I think this I've, is I've been there. The, I, I've been slowly climbing out of that. So you and I are going to vibe today. You know, I, yeah, I, I don't hide anything, by the way, as you can tell, like, I don't care because if people can learn from my mistakes as I've learned from them, then great. Right. Let's be real. So. Well, that's the thing. And I, and what I said to you offline earlier is a lot of clients will say to me, you must think I'm really bad. You must really be judging me. And I say to them, listen, I'm only able to talk to you about this stuff because I've actually made the same mistakes. Hmm. I didn't do it perfectly. I didn't get a financial download from my parents. Hmm. They were not good with money. Sorry, mom and dad. And uh, they just weren't. And it's not their fault because nobody taught them. And so same way, my, my brother and I, my younger brother and I have talked about this. We, we have, especially as we're aging, you know, my, uh, I, I love my family. I love my parents, but they don't have an exit strategy. Right. So my dad's 72 still running his business. I mean, old school, blue collar, you know, it's like, and it's not what's blue collar or white collar. Let's, let's be real. That's right. That, right. Yellow collar, brown. I don't care. The point is like he had not have a game plan. And his father, I don't think his father ever taught him the game plan. And he just straps the boots on, goes to work. And if it's checked, does his check, thing. So. And, and the thing for me is when I talk about like financial freedom or, and I talk about abundance, I'm not talking about, I've got to have $10 million in my bank account. I'm talking about, am I able to live within my means? Hmm. Am I actually making choices that serve my, my uh, life choices, my values, my priorities, uh, am I spending time with family or am I traveling? What are the things that are actually making me feel good and excited about being alive? Mm. And, and then doing it within a means so that I'm not getting anxious, so I'm not freaking out, that I'm not trying to compete 
with my neighbors uh, or people at work so they can be impressed with me, but am I um, actually feeling good enough about myself and, and, and being okay with it? I like where you say impressing your people you work with, right? So I'll be truthful. And when my wife and I were first dating, she actually asked me to stop saying this statement because it was annoying her, but like, I used, always used to say, oh, like I was keeping up with the Joneses. Remember that old right. thing, right? Yep. And I remember I started, I, I was I was working for T-Mobile. It's a big corporation, you know, big cellular company. And I worked my way up from a guy answering phones in the call center, no college degree. I was trying to take college classes in my free time and stuff, but I worked my way up into management and then uh, a corporate analyst. I was traveling out to Seattle back and forth every quarter. It was like, so I was with no degree, yeah, you know, I was making sixty-seven grand, a sixty to seventy grand a year. So I felt yeah. the need that, oh well, uh, this is there's this cool old like silk mill loft complex. You know, I I went to a party. I'm like, I want to live there. People are successful. They live there. And I started making these decisions based on nothing really about me. I realized I was thinking about right. everybody else. So it's interesting to how we make these decisions. And it's like, is that the best for me? Uh, at the time, I thought it was. You know, but was it? So. Well, absolutely. And I think a lot of us also make decisions when we're five and six years old. Mm. Uh, something happens when we're a kid um, and all of a sudden we're like, oh, this is a decision I'm going to make for life without really all the facts. And as a five-year-old probably shouldn't be making life decisions. Mm -hmm. But a lot of us, as we get older, are still operating from the five or six-year-old um, thinking that that was the truth instead of just a story we created. Well, because our prefrontal cortex hasn't been developed yet, right? I forget when they, when's that stop, around 9, 10, or yeah. I, whatever that stops. But there's so much influence happening then. So yeah. if we're constantly observing or being surrounded by that emotional energy where, and I remember this, like uh, my, my father always made sure he had a roof over him. We were always fed. But there was times where we were living in apartments or we didn't, we, uh, you know, owning a house, not owning a house, renting here, renting there. We moved around a lot uh, yeah. because he moved to keep his business alive, you know, and, right. and I respect that. So but I think some of that stuff might have gotten ingrained into me. And since I didn't understand the value of not necessarily saving, a lot of people go right for the saving thing. I'm like, I'm not a huge saver, but right, right, now, right now I'm actually getting more into making my money work for me. And right. That's but it's taken me years to get to where I'm at now. And I'm still sitting like Sunday dinners at my in-laws. I'll sit there and just listen, I listen to her, her, her father and her brother who are very financially successful. Like, okay, well, hmm, I wonder if that could work. Let me try that. You know, I'm like, I'm always trying to learn now. Whereas before I never would have cared that wall, right. the wall was up. They're from a different world. I'm from a different world. They don't know me. I was literally thinking these things when I was first right. dating my wife. It was uh, such a jackass. <laughs> Right. Well, that's, and the funny thing is we don't even check that stuff out, right? We don't even ask them, Hey, are we from different worlds mm -hmm. or can I learn from you? Mm -hmm. Or like, we just make the decision. I'm not of their world. It's not my, I can't learn it. Um, it's everybody else gets to have success except me. Right. And, and, and then we don't actually check things out. Yeah. Hey, maybe I can learn something or, Hey, maybe I can ask somebody for help. Or how, how about the, uh, muscling it through it right like like yeah well, yeah I, just, I don't need anybody's help i'll figure this out if they can figure it out i can figure it out <laughs> i'll do it on my own i'll figure it out i'm laughing that's right that's me i've, I've yeah. been there like and I, and I i now coach businesses not to do things like this not in the financial world but other ways and i'm like yeah you got to listen to your own advice in these other areas of your life that you're weak at because right the money game i call it a game but the money game is important right bob i mean Especially now, like everybody's on, let's granted, yeah. granted the government stepped in and helped with some PPP stuff. I got a little one. Um, 
but I took all that money, and even, even though I'm not allowed to reinvest it in my business, I have to pay myself. Right. I'll find right. a way around that. I have no problem yeah. doing that. I was like, whatever. Yeah. If it is my business, so fine. I will pay myself, and then the money I normally would pay myself, I'm reinvesting in my business. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's all a game, and as long as you play the game properly, yeah. um, then you can make it work for you. Yeah. Um, but that's, I think... For me right now, I look at all that's going on as maybe a silver lining as, as some like there's some good things to come from this. Uh, it's a chance to reflect. It's a chance to actually look at what am I spending my money on? Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of people, they're finding, oh, I actually can live on a whole lot less. Uh, didn't realize that because yeah. I thought I had to have all these things. Um, yeah, Amazon's look at how many less Starbucks you were buying. Look at yeah. how many less uh, if you, you don't have any business. Like I, I usually travel three days out of the week. I haven't been right. traveling, you know, so right. it's been a nice shift. So I've taken that allotment and allocated that money elsewhere. Have you ever heard of, I mean, obviously you being an author, you ever heard of uh, Michael Michalowicz, the founder of Profit First? Uh, I have to admit I have not. But... He's got like four books out there. He's, okay. he's from New Jersey, but I use Great. his methodology because my accountant doesn't understand it. <laughs> right. Because his foundation, his concept is based on... Um, Remember the old grandma method or what they call it? The grandma, great grandma, like they had envelopes. They would, yep. okay, this is your food fund. So yeah. that's kind of his concept, except his concept, because his first successful book was called Profit First, was one of those accounts needs to be your profits account, especially as an entrepreneur, right. because if you never pay yourself profits and you always right. are just writing everything off as an expense, blah, 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 blah. He's that's like, right. Where's the reward in growing a business? Right. You're just and staying even. I never even. thought about that. And even if yeah. it's just three to 4% or whatever that is, right? That all goes into a separate account in a separate bank that I can't touch until the right. end of the quarter. And I give myself a, you know, a dividend or I, I right. and per his book, I have to spend all of those profits on non-business activities to reward yourself while you're doing everything you do. So it was yeah. a very interesting concept, but thanks to that, I never set aside money for automotive things, right? Like I drive a lot. Right. I, tra I travel to upstate New York on business and stuff and I have my own vehicle for that. So I was like, wait a minute, why am I always chasing or charging the car repairs and then paying for it next month? Like right now I got, I got almost 10 grand sitting in that account. Yeah. So when this car dies, I'll already have all the money to go buy another car outright. Right. <laughs> I've never been able to do that. Never yeah. in my life. How many people just finance things or lease it or whatever. So now, do you find that when you started getting a little more money, now that you're at ten thousand, uh, you'd like to keep seeing it at least stay at that or get a little bit bigger? Yeah, a little bit. What's up with that? I mean, well, I, you know, for me, like once we start to get in the habit of putting some money aside or saving it or creating that safety net, I, for me, I know that then I start to go, yeah, oh, I can do this. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow, I've got more money than I thought I did. Yeah. Um, I created like six different bank accounts and just transferred money every week to each one of them, hundred bucks, 50 bucks. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden I'm like, Oh man, I've got like 40,000 bucks. Yeah. But, they're all, cool. but they're all allocated to certain things, right? Like I they're have all just, I have a tax account. Yeah. Never had that. Like when I became an entrepreneur, I didn't, I didn't know, like my wife was already an entrepreneur when I was dating. I didn't ask her. Like right. I just waited until the end of the year. I, classic mistake. I wasn't doing quarterly uh, payments. Not, not everybody estimates. has to make quarterly estimate payments, but I do. Right. And I was like, holy crap, what oh. have I done? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's a big bill to swallow. How many entrepreneurs yeah. you work with have done that? Yeah, a lot. I, you know, it's funny. I used to work with a CPA who um, would talk to his clients and he'd go, oh, by the way, tomorrow you need to put uh, $200,000 in your bank account um, or by Friday. And then you hear the client have a heart attack and die. Yeah. Right. 
And I'd say, why did you do that? And he goes, well, no, you know, I told him to put money aside. I'm did like, you? nobody's listening. No. You have to be engaged in conscious conversation. And so with my clients, I start these conversations much earlier and I stay on them because then when we get to the end of the year, we're not having this, oh God, <laughs> not was, in a good way. It was hard in the beginning because I was yeah. like, wait a minute, you want me to, or I was making myself do it because my, my accountant didn't ask me to do that. I mean, the tax thing, yes, but the, the profit first methodology or the, you know, the multiple accounts like you've done, there's lots of different people do that. They have a different title for it, but I didn't real I, 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 my scarcity mindset kicked in. I'm like, wait a minute, if I take this percent and this percent and stick it all here and I'm not allowed to touch it, I've all, I only have this much. And he's like, well, that's the point. Right. He said, if you can't run your business that way, then maybe you want to look at your expenses. Because a right. lot of businesses just justify everything as a write-off. It's a write-off. It's a write-off. And they, just, they don't care what the expenses are. He's like, no, 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 no. The whole point here is to give you an operational budget. You know, I have an operational account. So all of the all of my gross income goes into the operational account. And then I, I set aside the taxes because uh, I have everybody on a monthly retainer. So at the beginning of the right. month, all the income hits. And then I immediately do the transfers. I have a tax account, automotive account. I have an educational account for conferences Great. and educational programs, things like that. It's good to keep growing. Uh, I have the profit first account. I even have a, it started off as a giving account, but then I, mm -hmm. since I launched my own nonprofit last year, now that percentage goes right into the nonprofit. I have a separate 501c3 account set up for that foundation. So Great. now I'm literally, I'm able to fund my own foundation. Which like, is I awesome. Never, I never would have thought about this stuff years ago. Right. Because in the beginning I was like, oh my God, I'm supposed to set aside money and not touch it. Well, that's, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I certainly like to figure out if I can write off my auto expense, right? And oh, yeah. expense it, but I'm not in terms of like, oh, that's going to be a write-off. I have clients that'll say, um, oh, I just lost $50,000 on my stock, but it's great. It's a write-off. And I'm like, what? you just lost $50,000. <laughs> it's great that you're going to get a benefit, but it would have been actually better if you'd actually made a profit. Yeah. Uh, uh -huh. What's your thought on that? At that point, I, a great stock guru guy talked to me. He's like, Scott, here's a, here's a big tip in success if you're going to get into investing. Like, what? He's like, as soon as you invest that money, he's like, it's gone. You lost That's it. That's right. I'm like, what That's do you right. Mean? He's like, people think that, oh, you put it in the market, and then they freak out if it loses or it's going down. He's like, no, you have to get into the mindset of when you take that cash, and it's no longer cash, and you stick it into an investment, you have to automatically accept it's gone. I can never That's get right. that back forever. Granted, if it, That's right. if it grows and successful, wonderful. But he's like, that is, is no longer cash in your hands. And I was like, I never thought about it that way. So Yeah, I absolutely agree. I was fortunate. Um, my brother-in-law, when I was um, younger, said, look, investing's great, but any money you put in there, it's gambling. So only put in the amount of money that you're willing to lose there, and that, call it a day. That's, that's how he said it too, yes. You got so to invest what you're prepared to lose. Yeah. And if it's 10,000, great. It's 10,000. If it's 50,000, a hundred thousand. And that's when I go to Vegas, it's the same thing this week. I'm willing to lose 500 bucks or a hundred. Now I don't even like to gamble. Cause I'm like, gambling. I, I, I'm like, no, I'm, that's, I'm I could, we have, we have a casino here. They, uh, the old historic <clears throat> Bethlehem steel, our steel built uh, the golden gate bridge. Uh, okay, cool. Our steel has been using some of the most iconic, you know, buildings in all the major cities, but that company folded, died, over 10 years right. ago, this area was has all rebuilt since then. But that whole property has been redeveloped, arts and museums, and but they put a casino in there. And I've gone there. I'm like, I, I've never smoked a cigarette, so I don't like that either. And I'm yep. like, I was like, wait, you want me to take my hard-earned money? And 
brisket. And I have friends yeah. that are really good at it. Like they're math teachers. So they're I'm like, oh, you're a math teacher. You're fine. I'm yeah. watching him. He can play all night. And I, I don't like that. But yeah. No, I yeah, I used to think it was fun. But um, and even then I limited it. But now, yeah, I don't I don't like gambling. I like to do smart things with my money mm-hmm. for me. Now, if it gives you pleasure, have fun. Do it. Well, investing but, is gambling. So I exactly say technically we are gambling, right? So there we go. We are. But we in are. a much more growth oriented potential way. That's right. So I'd, I'd rather gamble in real estate. <laughs> you know? That's my Because at least step. I, you know, yeah. real estate, I like real estate because even if everything falls apart, I have a good place. I have a place to go pitch a tent. <laughs> well, it, it's great because like, like my wife and I, she, uh, she bought this house from, it was one of the last properties in her family's estate. It was her great grandmother's house, a little, little 1910 mm-hmm. house here. Uh, but it was already split up into a rental. So right. we, we have a rental. And, and then we have a giant garage where the family's construction company was founded in the early 1900s. So I gutted it and I have two rental tenants storing nice cars in there. So I've got that monetized. I got half the house monetized and we're looking for a new house now. So it's like, then we'll, then we'll monetize our half of the house. And then it's like, this is my first real estate portfolio, I guess. Yeah. And I control it. (laughs) No, that's great. That's great. I mean, rich dad, poor dad talks really great stuff about, uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, very good guy. Great book. Um, all of that stuff. But at least if you're gambling in something that you uh, are willing to take the risk and it's something you enjoy, uh, feels a lot better than just something like, oh, I hope it works out. So here's something else I like. Because, again, your whole book, Money Nerve, Navigating the Emotions. You know, part of your background when I was digging into it, when I got sent the information, is like there's little other things part of you. I don't want to skip over them. Like yeah. there's a couple of backstories, Nepal, Africa, stuff like that, right? And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just setting that because yeah, one thing I've learned over the years, you know, when I did the farm kid turn corporate dreams guy and then left it all behind to go serve as a hotshot wildland firefighter out West. So that's why fires yeah. in my logo. I don't know if you know the whole backstory, but I spent two years serving and you're from California. So you know what wildfires yeah. are. Oh, I do. So I got to serve on one of those elite crews for two years and beat the living cool. snot out of myself. Uh, yeah. It grounded me. It taught me a lot. Uh, part of your background is you're very big on integrity I have mm-hmm. that word tattooed on my ribs. Actually, it says nice. du- duty, respect, and integrity was the hotshot creed. I'm bringing this up because it goes back to risks and the scarcity yeah. mindset. I could say the more risks I've taken in my life, the easier it is to embrace them and learn from them. In the very beginning, people like people see me go race a mountain bike. Or like Last year, I tried my first 100-mile mountain biking race. Not a road bike, a mountain bike. Uh, and they're like, what would make you want to do that? I was like, well, when I lived in Colorado, I used to do 60 mile mountain biking races. So, right. you know, let's just keep leveling it up. Like, so I've gotten really good at embracing the adrenaline, the risk, uh, the, the fear, because I, I get a high on it. But yeah. in the beginning, it was much more fearful. Now I've mitigated that. And I, I've also learned a lot and I know how to work my way around all that. And I think a lot of that extrapolates back into everything we're talking about here. I mean, I'm yeah. intrigued to see your point on that because you obviously have some stuff going on here and I'm intrigued about the Africa Nepal thing. And I, I wanted to kind yeah. of work that in because me being an adrenaline junkie, I love yeah. hearing about international travels and stuff too. So, well, uh, so a couple of things, one of the things when I, when I first started doing my own personal work was um, like, I could not talk. Um, if I was sitting in a group of 10 people and somebody asked me to say my name, I would almost like, have a heart attack just speaking my name, hoping I got it right. So you're right. The classic people that were afraid of public speaking, public speaking, terrified, 
everything. So I started looking at what is what am I afraid of? And I started doing it. I joined Toastmasters. I started doing martial arts and kickboxing. And I started just what's what am I scared of? And then I would just go towards it and then go, oh, it didn't kill me because my measure was it's going to kill me. Hmm. Everything I do is going to kill me. And and so I really started just what am I afraid of? I'm going to go do that. And what happened was like I didn't travel initially because only rich people travel. That was my mindset. I didn't. I never left this country until I was 18, 19, and I went to Mexico to like Cancun. That's kind of a joke. You know, yeah. I, there's no growth right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I my first trip was to uh, Greece. I ran a, I ran the, a marathon, the original course of the marathon. And nice. For, nice. for me, I was like, well, if I'm going to travel to great places, I have to do something practical, like run a marathon. So I would always run a marathon or a half marathon when I went to india and uh different places yeah man you gotta like exercise uh it felt practical i was getting two for one and uh when i went to africa what was amazing to me was these people were making a hundred dollars a year average income tanzania super happy people Hmm. and i couldn't process this i'm like you don't have a mercedes or a lexus or a porsche uh you don't have dvds you don't have internet uh how can you be so happy have running water I mean, right. right. I mean, we had running water for about three hours a day um, and no electricity after like five o'clock and they were happy. And I kept going, no, 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 you're your accomplishments. You are your accomplishments. How can this? And uh, it was a real mind, um, you know, mind awakening. And it just, I kept having to process it. And I realized it's not like money's great. I love money. I enjoy what it does, but it's not my driving force. I'm about like, I'd rather stay in integrity than make an extra buck. I'd rather have a, an amazing experience than be able to screw somebody over and like get ahead. I, I got to go to Africa like two, three years ago. Uh, that Well, my now wife, uh, but only because she's kind of like what you're talking about. Like we're not some, like we're not making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year here, but right. you know, if there's no debt, your cash flow is pretty nice you're, you, and we don't have kids. So it's like, okay. Right we're not terrible now she's like well i could because she has her own veterinary business with a co-founder she's like okay well i could keep taking online creds because they have to do ceu to continue their doctorates that's right or she found because she's, she's a horse doctor she found she found this organization that does these travel uh ceu course programs so they are hosting one down in johannesburg so it's like okay nice. south africa great less disease risk stuff like that uh, a whole lot of flying to get there. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a long way. <laughs> so we said, great, let's turn it into a two-week trip. One week for fun. And then at the end of the trip, it's all business. You can go study. The cool thing was they hosted it at a safari. So every morning at sunrise and at sunset, we would, we would go on safaris. And then she'd be in classes all day. And then I right. got to go do whatever I wanted. So I actually, was, nice. I was running my business from Africa. It was crazy. It's perfect. Uh, but the point, your point, I was like, okay, well, even though you're on a little safari property, like, there was barely any internet. Uh, yes, they did have running water there, but traveling around and seeing the massive differences of income, especially when we went to Cape Town. Cape Town. Right. Uh, there's a there's an area of Cape Town, uh, cliff cliff something. It's on cliffs. A lot of rich people living there, and I was like, wow. And then you go and drive north out of Cape Town, and you see these shanties and what looks like concrete. Uh, uh, portable toilets but they're not it's just a wall of them and that's where they go and use the facilities like my gosh but to your point 
you see people walking down the street carrying a basket on their head. They're completely smiling. They're talking to each other like happy people. So they're happy people. Yeah. And I, and I think it is important to travel and get perspective. I was in uh, I was in Zimbabwe a couple of years ago. I was working at a rhino sanctuary hmm. and we got to work with the local community. And there were some of the people that, that were volunteers were younger. And we got to spend a day at a village, you know, plowing the field with a, uh, with a cow and we got to milk it and drink it. And people were like, oh, this is so great. And the cow looked like it hadn't eaten in like two weeks. Oh, wow. uh, the plastic bottle that we were putting the milk in was, had not ever been washed. Um, you know, and I said to the, to the younger, uh, to the kids, you know, look, we get to choose whether or not we're going to plow the field today and whether we're going to milk the cow. Uh, but they wake up every day and it's not a choice. This is their life. So and don't feel bad about your privilege, but use it to like do better things. Like yeah. you have an advantage and know you have the advantage. You don't have to feel guilty about it, but then pay it forward. Right. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because so we got to stay in this one, this luckily my, my wife, somebody she went to school with was from a very successful family. Like, they own property all over the world. And, yeah. this, and this is why we went to Africa because they're like, hey, for your fun week, we have a place in that cliff, whatever area of Cape Town. Nice. It was very beautiful. Uh, I was like, oh, it's just like we had a free place to stay. So all the, right. so yeah, we had, to, we had to save up and you know, pay for the airfare and, and the educational courses and all that for her. But we kind of turned it into a business slash fun trip. But okay, we had a free place to stay for the first week. So more reason to justify a, a trip like this and make it work. Absolutely. Uh, but they had, um, I don't know, a house, a house person, like somebody looking after the house. They're cleaning right. it. They're coming and doing laundry. Like we were there during a drought and she wanted to do our laundry every day. And right. I was like, one, I, I, I can cook for myself. I can clean up after myself. Like I'm good. And she's like, no, no, no. They right. pay me to do this. And she loved her profession. She actually said, she's like, right. they pay me better than most people in this, in this uh, profession. Uh, she's yeah. got other, she's got other clients. She takes care of all that family's properties, and they had like they had just got an espresso machine. This is why I love ah. about her. She's like, could you help me? She saw me using it because I knew I'm a, I'm a caffeine nut, and right. she's like, could you show me that? And I said, yeah, sure. Why? And she's like, oh my god, I would love to have that new skill set to so when this family comes back, you know, later in the year because they're only there like once a year. She's like, this is one more thing that. I can give back to them, you know, with our wow. business relationship. And I was like, huh, that, yeah. I, I never forgot it. I was like, so simple, so effective. And she, she valued her business relationship. She wanted to learn a new skill and give back, you know, it's not more than just cleaning and laundry, but that's, and it, but she said, she's like, she can give so much back to her family. Thanks to that profession too. And it was like, oh, yeah, okay. Learning to use an espresso machine, she was so excited. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, I think that's key right there is gratitude. Mm -hmm. uh, I think in this country, in the U.S., we don't – I don't know that we have enough gratitude sometimes. Um, I agree with that. Um, there, like just to be able to appreciate a, the coffee machine, you know, I'm thinking she's thinking, hey, I get a free coffee every day. No, she's thinking nah. this is something I can do to be of service, mm -hmm. right? And then grateful for the opportunity. And I think that's what I experience when I go to other countries, especially developing countries, is the gratitude to be alive, to even have the opportunity for something better, even just the dream or the hope. And here we're like, 
wow, they didn't put my goat's milk in my coffee um, right. or it was supposed to be fluffed with air. How right. dare they? Yeah. Right. We're you outraged. Call, you call that a frothing? Uh, like, <laughs> or whatever. I Outrage. <laughs> I won't pay for this. I mean, we, yeah. we can laugh, but you are so true. I've seen yeah. that. I've gone into these little, like, I'll, I'll use the word, these little douchey coffee cafes where they yeah. come across a little snobbish. And I'm like, yeah. it's a cup of coffee. It's a cup of coffee. Okay, great. You, you add a nice little flair on there and stuff. Like when people are like complaining because they got it wrong. And I'm like, maybe simplify your coffee. Like I don't, right. I, don't I don't do any of that crap. I mean, yeah. I, I might get a latte once in a while, but there's no, I'm, I'm anti-sugar. So there's no... Yeah. This, that, and the other thing, drizzle, blah, 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 blah. Like, you want to look at a definition of obesity in America, there's an example. But, guys, like, why don't you just try having a black cup of coffee? Like, it's simple. There's less but stuff I do, to go wrong. <laughs> absolutely. And I, you know, it's, it's, I mean, like, talking about those simple things, this is something that happened to me a year ago. I, I, I mean, I'm sort of outing myself, but uh, I was at a conference. Uh, at a workshop about um, social justice, equality, and privilege. Mm. And I'm fortunate enough that I have a housekeeper because that's one of the things that I like having yeah. is clean sheets and all that stuff. And I'm sitting at the workshop and I notice that my socks are mismatched. Okay. Now, I always think people that have mismatched socks are really cool, but I, I would I, never I do that. It does it on purpose. So, right? Yeah. A lot of people do it, but I'm an accountant, so I'm not going to take that risk. Oh. And uh, so, <laughs> Live on the now, edge, my, Bob. <laughs> Living on the edge. Now, mind you, one sock was dark gray and the other one was mildly dark. So nobody but me knew that my socks were mismatched. For about four seconds, I was outraged, right, that my housekeeper would mismatch my socks until I realized, what an asshole. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I mean, I'm like, man, I'm being such a dick right now. Aren't I? Yeah, what like, a yeah. dick. I have a really good life yeah. and I could be a little more grateful. And hey, you wanted to wear mismatched socks and now you are. Right. <laughs> she you gave know, me my opportunity. I'll out myself with you then. Uh, yeah. I've never had a, I don't, I don't, we don't have a housekeeper, but when I met my wife, we, and I, we decided to move in together before we got married and, and uh, we don't have a ton of square footage, but we both agreed that we hate cleaning the bathroom. And right. now I, I, I love cooking. I do all the cooking. I, I keep after the kitchen. I'm like, you know what? The two most heavily used parts of the house are, you know, the bathroom and, and the kitchen. And, I was building my business and income was getting better. And I was like, well, why don't, why don't we hire somebody just to come in and clean the house once in a while? Like we, yeah. we still clean, but so to this day, it's just once a month. I have a, I have a friend, they come every week, like, but yeah. uh, my brother-in-law every week. So he's the same person and she's amazing. She, her and her cousin and uh, they're there. But I remember when I first started doing it, cause I, I'm a little OCD. I would have noticed the sock thing. I totally would have noticed it. <laughs> um, now we do our own laundry, but I came in and I'm like, the stuff wasn't put back to where it was. And I Properly. was like, it drove me nuts. Like I, 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 my wife's like, are you serious right now? She's just like, you have somebody cleaning your house and you're pissed because they didn't put the stuff back to where it belongs. I was like, well, how do you forget that? She's like, well, not everybody has a photographic memory. This turned into a fight. And I was just like, right. she's like, you're being a jackass. And I said, you're probably right. <laughs> right. And then, but and then still. Like, and then five <laughs> minutes later, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm such an asshole. Uh, like I, I've worked hard enough to be able to hire somebody to make my wife happy and make sure yeah. we have a clean house once a month beyond our normal cleaning. The fact that I, I've actually had the privilege to make that money and right. then be able to employ and give somebody, give somebody else an income who cares if the stuff's not perfectly back in the same exact place. So you just walk over and move it. Like, right. I was like, dude, get over your shit. Like what yeah. is wrong with me? 
I, yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. So I, I agree with but you. But it's, <laughs> it's so easy to get in that mindset, which is why I like to take a lot of time to pause and wait, let me just stop. Oh, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. That's, you know, I mean, for me, that's really how I start my day. I'm humbled and grateful because there's so much that I have. And, and, and I think for mo most of us, when I start doing this work with people in workshops is people don't stop and actually appreciate what they actually have. Hmm. Oh, I'm actually really happy. They're all trying to get other things. That's going to make them happy instead of saying, Oh my God, I've got a lot of stuff right here. This is pretty amazing. You know, I'm intrigued on this point because gratitude, I remember two years ago, I finally downloaded a gratitude app to my phone and I had it set an alarm in the morning for that exact reason, because I was still going through a lot of mindset shift work. And, mm -hmm. I, and a great coach of mine said, Scott, gratitude, pausing, as you just said. And again, I mean, I'm guessing this is a big fundamental of your book too, because obviously the, there's so much emotion tied there. Like if yeah. you could, classic I, I, all your quote check yourself before you wreck yourself okay like right okay pause yeah. but how hard is it right now for us to pause everything's so emotionally charged right and i'm being real like right here right now we're recording right now this. i'll timestamp it we're recording this in june june 6th today is the anniversary of d-day 1944 that's a whole other level of emotional charge stuff that tri triggered a yeah. war but like how much stuff could we solve by pausing well, I think we could solve a lot because then we, if we can take the time to pause, then we can actually respond instead of react. I think right now, so many people are in reaction that the minute, oh, oh, no, yeah, well, instead of like stopping, thinking about it, feeling into it, and then actually being honest about what what is our reaction. Um, I mean, what is our response? Because I do think that right now people are just reacting, reacting, reacting. And and the more we can slow it down a little bit and actually hear each other or hear what we're saying about ourselves, um, the demands we're making on our professional and financial goals, uh, the, the demands we're making on our family, our, in our relationships. And if we could actually slow it down and actually give some space to uh, actually let it in. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll share another one for you. You'll appreciate this. So Bob, pause. Yeah. I got a little pissed off a couple of weeks ago because I've worked very hard to where I am and there's still a lot more to grow. And right. I post once in a while at this big garage behind my house. I've been gutting it for five years. I've done all the work myself. I've been covered in like 30 year old dust. It's been in yeah. my nose. I mean, I've done all the demo work. I, I can't find the original photos from the very, very first time. You couldn't even walk into this building. There's 3,000 square feet. You couldn't even, wow. it was packed full of old construction crap everywhere. So nowadays you walk in there, it's wide open. I've got a, our old flat screen out there. I got a little CrossFit gym space. I have, I have nice cars being stored. People, I'm, you know, they're paying to rent there. I've been painting the cinder block. I've been doing everything. It's, I mean, it's total man zone. Yeah. And I posted a photo a couple weeks ago and a fellow podcasting colleague commented, said, must be nice to be rich. <laughs> and man, that struck me and I had to bite my tongue and it was a yeah. social media post and I ignored yeah. it. And right. then I waited about an hour and I was, I'm actually, I'm still, I'm still a little annoyed by that. And I'm like, okay, I busted my ass on this right. place for five years. I, I spend yeah. my personal money. I don't take it out of my wife and I's account. I spent, I, right. I, I spend for everything. I mean, Dude, like, so I, then I paused and I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? 
what if he's not having what, – what if something's not going well with him right now? Yeah. Maybe that's my opportunity to reach out to him and say, hey, man, I saw you put a comment. I won't, don't even bring that up. Just say, hey, man, how you how you doing? Right? right. Like, is everything all right? Because I realize, like, first I'm getting pissed because somebody's trying to call me rich. I'm like, but yeah, I'm rich in life and, and enjoyment right. and happiness because something as simple as, a, as an old – 1950 built garage makes me happy. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Right. Like, yeah, right. I, I do feel rich, uh, but there's more to life and there's more to the definition of rich than financial wealth. And that's what you're talking about with Africa. That's what you're talking about with pausing. And, I, and yeah. anyway, I just want to share that with you because from your feedback, cause you're, you're the guy of money nerve, but it's like, man, he struck my nerve. Yeah. I had to really pause and think about what he's going through. Well, it's so interesting that you that that was the 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 nerve because yeah. one of the things that I find when I do workshops, live workshops with people is everybody I'll say who wants to be rich? Me 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 me. I want to be rich. Cool. 10 minutes later, what do you think of rich people? Rich people suck. They're assholes. They're jerks. Yep. People like them have no heart. Wait, and you want to be them. Yeah. Right? And so already we're not in alignment right. because we're wanting to be the thing we hate or that we have judgment about instead of actually, oh, some people that are rich worked really hard and they put blood, sweat and tears into it. Yeah. And uh, they didn't just get it, they're easy. And and I think when make people make a quick judgment to say you're rich, they miss you as the individual and they lump you in a group, which is what's going on right now in a lot of different levels oh, yeah. of, of saying, oh, this is who you are without actually seeing the person. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because my, my brother-in-law, you know, they have they they now run the construction company that was founded in our old garage a long time ago. Okay. So I have the grandfather, great grandfather, and his brother's signatures are scribed into the concrete in one of the oh, windowsills. Cool. Nice. So I made sure that's always seen. I didn't want to cover it up, and I found that old hand-painted. Uh, surface constructions, name of the business, sign from who knows when. It was probably, they used, they used to paint their own wooden signs and put them at job sites. Now they have a sign company doing that, right? Like yeah. him and his cousin now run the company. They just built their first ever 12-story commercial like glass skyscraper, I mean 12 stories, but here in Allentown uh, a year or so ago, like they've never done stuff like this before. They they use Teslas for their company cars for him and his cousin. But like, dude, this was founded in my dirty old garage. Right. When back in the day, they used to just remodel churches and build fire departments. Like they started very simplistically, but they've the, the new generation has taken another level. So like, yes, if you look at them now, some people might judge that, but it's like, that's why I'm trying to honor the history because you know right. I've, I've married into this. I have nothing to do with it. And they're, right. they're definitely financially more successful than I am. But I'm like, I find these old pieces of the history and it actually excites me. Cause I'm like, you see that that's, that's some hard freaking work, dude. This family yeah. business has been around since before 1950 or 1932 or whenever it was founded, and it's still going, and it's more successful than it's ever been. Like, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's amazing. I think, you know, I, I've, I've seen that cartoon of an iceberg, and you only see the tip of it, mm -hmm. and we make the judgment on the tip of the iceberg and not the 90% of it that's under the water. Like, we don't – we miss all the hard work. We miss the sacrifices. We miss, like – all, all that went into it. Um, and we look at it and go, wow, they have life so easy. You see, that's a full circle thing too. Like everybody wants success today. Uh, right. Let me pause that by the way. I know we started late. So are you still good for a few minutes? Yeah, I'm good. Cool. Yeah. So 
that's the other piece of this, right? It's like, that's right. You, everybody forgets that. Okay, cool. Yeah, they worked their asses off to get there. So give them that that's respect. Right. But also, earlier in the game, people want success tomorrow, right? As you say, your conferences, right. they want to be. They don't like the rich, but they want to be rich. Like so, it's like that's right. But then, then there's those people like once you tell me you got to put in the work. What's the percent at- of people who don't put the work? Well, a lot. Right. A lot. I would say it's probably 80, 85 percent. Right. I think it's a pretty high amount because business and entrepreneurship is not for everyone. It's not, it's not easy supposed to be easy, but you it's not sexy. It. No. Yeah, it's it's work. And that, you know, talking about bringing back Nepal in one of the things that I am big on is baby steps. Mm. You're not going to get there. Um, we don't have to get there today. We don't have to get everything done today. Okay. Do it in baby steps like let's just do this a little bit and then let's then renegotiate and then take a little bit more. And, and, and then it's not so overwhelming. Um, and we can still reach our goals, but so we was don't, that, was that kind of like your understatement of, or uh, the underlying principles of you preparing to go to Nepal and hike to the Everest base camp? Like, cause that's the other well, thing I tell people, I'm like, I'm a big hiker. I hiked 14ers in Colorado and I'm like, Oh, I love the heart 14ers in Colorado. I was like, dude, um, you can't just show up and go hike a 14er. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> It, well, I'll tell you what happened was when I went to Nepal the second time, um, my group of friends that I brought with me, we, the first day, it's an intense hike into the national park. Mm. And uh, after the end of the first day, everybody said, uh, let's quit. <laughs> and I'm like, I just spent a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> you guys just spent a lot of money. We're not quitting. They're like, this is freaking hard. That's like, the point. <laughs> this is hard. So, and I was like, what am I going to do here? And I said, I'll tell you what. The only thing I know to do is let's negotiate and let's hike for an hour and then decide if we're going to hike another hour. And so what we ended up doing was for the first five days is I would actually, we would time it and every hour I would stop and ask everybody if we were going to hike another hour. Hmm. And then everybody go, yeah, I could do one more hour. And but we were stopped you looking the expedition leader or you were just stepping I, w- I, I was sort of like I had been before. And so I was, I wasn't the expedition leader. We had our, our beautiful Sherpa yeah. um, that took care of us, but um, I had done it before and I'd been to Kilimanjaro and I had hiked some other stuff. So, um, but I just knew I wasn't going to throw away like $10,000 um, uh, no. and just go and again, get a massage. You're, you're in this amazing, unique place in the world. Uh, it's like, why would you want to leave so soon? You yeah. haven't, you haven't really embraced everything that it has offered yet. No, absolutely. And this is a hard place to live. And these people are happy and yeah. it is hard. And, and, Sherpas, and so man, there's some strong people. They are freaking strong yeah. running around barefooted, smoking a cigarette, yeah. 20 cases of beer on their head, smiling. They're like superhumans. Like, superhumans. Uh, it's incredible. But yeah, so that, that was the thing I really learned there was if you take it in baby steps, everybody in this country, I think a lot of people in this country want to get from A to Z without doing all the little steps in between to, instead of going from A to B. I, I want there now. And we, we have, I think we need to learn uh, delayed gratification instead of this instant gratification that I have to be satisfied in this moment. It's actually more satisfying uh, when there's a little bit of a delay hmm. um, because it, it, then I get to savor it. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting point, right? So Again, this whole point of this today's podcast was around the emotion around money, the positive, yeah. the negatives, the ebb, the flow. And uh, actually, I didn't even do any screen sharing on the show, but I, lo- I love the simplicity of your site. When people go, I mean, unless you guys change it later, but the moneynerve.com people, um, right there, you deserve a healthy relationship with your money. And most importantly, there, you've earned it. Like, yeah. 
that's the other piece. It's like we're working hard to accomplish things in life. So yeah. part of this is rewarding yourself. Maybe it is travel to remote parts of the planet. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe it's just simply uh, to have the financial freedom to not live stressed, right? To alleviate yeah. that 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 stress where you're living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, yeah. I could tell you, if I went back years ago, that is something that I would have wished I would have freed myself sooner, right? But getting rid of that yeah. paycheck to paycheck uh, lifestyle because, man, that's not a good way to live. And here's the best it's part: not. I've lived that way. So. You, you too, people hearing this, watch this right now, you too can get informed, get educated to learn to get beyond that. You know, not not depend on the government teat, as I like to say. Or, That's right. Uh, you know, all of these variables that are affecting us right now. That's right. And listen, I was in incredible amounts of debt, you know, uh, because I was – Hey, man, you give me a couple $10,000 credit cards and another one and another one, that's all free money. And I didn't have the discipline. Um, but I spent the time and energy and worked my way out of it. So it, like people will say, well, I can't get out of it. My situation's bad. You can, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but if you're willing to put in the work, the rewards are amazing and you don't have to live this check to check mentality. And unfortunately, I mean, do you actually have any percentages on that? Is there any current studies on what the percentage of, of the art, just our country, for example, is the check to check life? No, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, based on my clients, I would say it's probably about 70, 75%. Okay. I mean, yeah, and that, I think actually statistically, I think it's even own. higher. Yeah. I mean, I think that statistically, I think it's something like eight out of 10. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty high percent. So I, I shared a post to my personal Instagram, which is synced to my personal Facebook feed, just like live the fuel is synced to live the fuel. But I posted a photo. I found four photos of my old cars when I was in the high school and then getting into my early twenties. And I just made a collage and I posted it and I decided to take the position on what I've learned about automotive debt. And like, even back then, some of those cars, I overstretched myself and these weren't like amazing high end fancy cars or anything. It's just, yeah. Hey, it was like, well, they were like a Chevy Beretta GT or something like that. And, but I've learned though, since then I've only bought one brand new car in my life. And that was after firefighting. And I actually, <laughs> I don't, I never live with regrets, but I say, you know, I worked hard. I deserve it, but I didn't buy it outright. I financed it. So then I had right. this payment heading over my head and yeah. I didn't expect that post to polarize so much. Like next thing you know, there's people commenting. This one person's going back and forth with my brother. And I'm like, cause my brother's backing me up on this. Cause he's learned this over the years too, about how we'd rather just own our vehicles and own something right. used. And that person's justifying how, well, your repairs and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I haven't commented yet. Cause I'm like, if I did comment, I'm gonna say, listen guys, you have the right to choose what you want to do. I'm just right. sharing with you with the lessons I've learned. And That's I know right. a lot of very successful multimillionaires who don't care if they have a brand new car. Right. It's, it's a means for transportation because they're making their money work for themselves in other areas of their life. And that's, that's right. why they're multimillionaires. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's, but it's, you know, we get into this comfort. I mean, I remember when I ended up, I used to drive a pickup truck. I'm from Tennessee originally. So I was so happy to have my pickup truck. And they were like, you can't drive a pickup truck. You're a CPA in LA. It's embarrassing. Well, LA. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I finally got a nice car and everybody treated me different, which was annoying. Um, yeah. But I got used to, uh, okay. You know, I had to have a new car every year because that was the image. And, you know, the car companies would be, hey, we're going to give you a new car. You don't have to do anything. Well, okay. That's sort of nice. Mm -hmm. But I've, you know, but, more recently, I'm like, you know what? I know I've sort of gotten used to it, 
but I really liked it when I didn't pay for a car right. and having to trade it in. And so I'm actually, um, this car, uh, when the lease finishes, I'm actually buying it and I'm just keeping it because well, and my that's what I used to do. The same thing. They traded their lease in and I just found out from my wife, uh, they went and bought outright like a, a used, yeah. a used like Land yep. Rover. Right. So they, yeah. they still wanted a decent vehicle. So they absolutely they got rid of, um, he had a really nice sports car. He's like, I never drive it. He sold it, traded it in. They, yep. got, they got rid of the lease. So I, they're, they're no longer, I mean, they, they leased the company cars for the company. Right. right? But that's yeah. different. So, yeah. And I have a client who does the same. And it's funny because my other client, he he moved from L.A. this past year. Uh, for now, he's in Virginia. They're still shopping around for a house. But he he got tired of L.A. Yeah. He was the trainer to the stars. Like, he was the one of the top fitness gurus for years out there for you guys. And yeah. he just got – I mean, he went and bought a pickup truck. <laughs> he's got a vet. But he's like, dude, he's like, I grew up – he's like, I grew up outside the swamps of Louisiana. You know, his, yep. his family was in farming. He grew up, you know – poor his parents are teachers so he and i vibe a lot because he's a lot older than i am but we connect and it's yeah. uh it's cool because he's like dude he's like i just want to go drive a pickup truck you know you mean my pickup truck yeah. <laughs> you know? but in la he when he first moved to la he said he was he would actually he, he bought a motorcycle and would drive to his clients to go train them on his motorcycle right uh just to try and beat la traffic right right and then he, and he had an old pickup truck back then too so yeah uh, he's got a crazy backstory like you guys. He's traveled around. I mean, he's uh, he beat cancer. Uh, he had a nice cool. Corvette after he got very successful at, at personal training and then had to sell it to pay for cancer, right? Go back Ugh. to – but he's a big guy, doesn't like debt, cash in the bank, smart with his money. But he said the same thing. He's like, even all that, he's like, you you don't you can't always plan for cancer and right. the cost of medical bills. So yeah. Uh, it's interesting. And how many of us could say that right now, listening to this podcast right now, I say, yeah, if I got hit with cancer tomorrow, I could pay all those medical bills. Yeah. Uh, if I got hit, hit with a pandemic, yeah. do I have money in the bank? Right. right? Like what could happen? Yeah. There's I mean, all I, kinds of things. I luckily had decent insurance last year, but I collapsed the lung last year. I've, uh, I'm never in the hospital, but I accidentally collapsed the lung. Next thing you know, I'm getting lung surgery. And uh, luckily <laughs> out of pocket over the next 90 days of billing and blah, blah, blah. And don't get me going about the, medical industry. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think I ended up paying like five, six grand out of pocket. That's not Years bad. ago, I would not have been able to afford those bills. They would have freaked right. me out. Um, right. Then I finally went, logged in and found like the full statement. Oh. How much do you think a lung, a collapsed lung goes for? I'll say 250,000. Eight days in the hospital, maybe in LA. Uh, okay. But I think it was like 160,000. Oh, wow. That's still. And I'm still like, I was like, what? So yeah. I'm glad I didn't see that statement while I was already in there. <laughs> Cause I don't Yeah. And I, I was like, guys, like it's crazy. So it's crazy. I, I, I've been having fun with you today. I mean, I, I wish I could keep going all afternoon with you, but I do have to move on to another show. But I was like, this is what we're all talking about. It's like that healthy relationship with money. Stop living yeah. under debt, uh, working with people like you to get the biggest thing is education, education. This is why I love podcasting. Like I get to learn stuff and geek out with people like you, but also we're passing the knowledge on. And Absolutely. I think, uh, and as we bring this to the show, I ask, I have my guest co-host help close the show out with some final words or as I, as it's morphed into, it's more like a legacy message. It's like, you know, mm -hmm. why write the book? Why do all these conferences? Why do all the training you're doing? And you, you shared with us today already, like your backstory, having debt, making those mistakes. But if you would bring the show to a close, like what were some final statements you'd like to leave behind for the audience? 
Well, I think two things come to mind. Um, stay in integrity. Like that's, that's huge for me is stay in integrity. And I, I my favorite quote um, from Gandhi is be the change you want to see in the world. And mm. that's for me is don't talk about, don't try to present, just go out and model the life that you want to live um, and other people will follow because they're going to say they're doing something right. I want to, I want to know what they're doing. Well, and I love, I love your reemphasis on the importance of integrity. Uh, thank yeah. you. It's not just a fun tattoo on my ribs. It, it means a lot to me and it's real. It it's is what very- you do when nobody's looking. Yeah. It's what you do when nobody's looking. And, and again, in the long run, you know, what is the legacy that we're leaving behind on this planet? I mean, I don't think a lot of people think about that. They're too focused yeah. in the now and not thinking about what could I be doing years from now by creating the financial freedom, by removing the debt, having more resources. That's, that's my goal. I want to be able to give back yeah. more, do more with my foundation. Right? Yeah. So I need to get this game dialed in so I can give more. So, Absolutely. Because I, I mean, I will say this. I have a belief that everybody deep down wants to make an impact, wants to make a different difference, wants to know that they matter. And that when they leave this earth, that people miss them hmm. like that, they're that. Wow. Yeah. Like that person left a, a positive. Dent. They left yeah. a positive yeah. footprint. I like that. Well said. Listen, hang tight. I want to get proper goodbye off the air. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for hanging with us live here on Facebook anyway, on a Saturday. And uh, also obviously to the, the regular podcasting YouTube world, Actually, for YouTube as well, I'll do one more screen share again. Again, guys, it's the money nerve. Uh, he's been on Amazon for a while. There's the book. So I'm actually I'm going to make sure I add this to my Amazon influencer page. So reminder, guys, when you go to livethefield.com and you click on the Amazon banner, it takes you to my influencer page. And I have a whole section just on the book recommendations for all of our guest co-hosts who put out awesome books. So, and again, it's simple, dude. It's like less than 13 bucks right now on Amazon Prime. Come on. That's to get a little more educated. Uh, no brainer. So... Again, ladies and gentlemen, that's the Money Nerve. That's Bob Wheeler. Remember, we're here to fuel your health, your business, and your lifestyle. This is a big component of that. Start mastering that money game. Uh, get over that Money Nerve. Let's figure it out. Let's get educated. Let's uh, pass that knowledge on to others. So again, thanks for tuning in. And remember, you too can live the fuel. And we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for subscribing to Live the Fuel. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Live the Fuel. And remember, you too can live the fuel. So please visit us at livethefuel.com.